God, we worship you, Lord. You may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good. Amen, amen, amen. So good to see y'all today. God is on the move. God is on the move. He is moving, and He is touching. He is blessing. He is revival in, coming to a revival in America. And you may say, I don't see that. Well, you're not looking in the Spirit. You're looking in the flesh. Start looking through your spiritual eyes and allow God to help you and allow God to see what He's doing in the Spirit. And He's definitely doing something in the Spirit here. And I know that He's going to bless and touch each and every day. And I know that God's really going to minister to y'all today. I'm talking today, it's the 4th of July, so we're talking about freedom, right? Freedom, freedom, freedom. So my, my title of my message is Freedom or Being Free from Guilt and Shame. Because what happens? Anytime you sin, anytime you, you, uh, you do any kind of sin or you do anything kind of wrong, what happens? Immediately guilt and shame comes on you. And so I'm going to talk to you today about how to be free from guilt and shame. Because it happens to every one of us. Everything happens. I mean, every, during our lives, there's always something that comes up that brings guilt and shame on our lives. And I want to talk to you today about how to be free from that. Because have you ever thought, you know what, I've gone too far. I've sinned one too many times. I've done wrong. Just, I don't even know if, if God, God, is, God has got enough grace for me anymore. I think I've used all my grace up. Is he, is he still going to forgive me every, every single time I ask? I, I'm kind of concerned. I'm kind of worried. Have you ever felt that way? You know, I, I know there's been times in my life where I felt that way. I'm like, God is just... Man, really, are you, uh, you, have you still got grace for me as many times as I've messed up? You know? Um, and, and, but the thing is, is when we, look at that, when we look at God that way, we're viewing Him with a wrong approach. And a wrong approach is the reason why sometimes our relationship with God is, is thwarted and is, is not in line the way it should be. And it can make you miserable. And whenever you don't do, or you are not looking at God the right way, and you're looking at Him like that, you know, are you going to forgive me? Is there still enough grace for me? Is there still enough, for, you know, forgiveness for me? Then, 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 when you look at Him that way, you you don't come before the throne of God with boldness. You come with timidity. You come to Him like a little whoop puppy. God, I, can you forgive me one more time, please? God, can you can't want, want, just want? God, I know I done wrong again. I, you know, no. He says, "Come boldly before the throne of grace." Even even in your sin, Father, I am so sorry. Forgive me. I have I have sinned. I want you to forgive me, and, and I repent of my sins before you, and I ask for your forgiveness, God, and I accept your your your, your release, and and you come before Him boldly. You know, there's a whole lot of difference between a, a child that comes to a parent with their head down, and one says, "Hey, you know, I, I would always rather my son come and my daughter come and say, "Hey, Dad, I have messed up, man. I've I made a mistake. I've done wrong." rather than tuck their tail between the legs and go back to the room like I know I've done something wrong and I'm just going to wait till I get in trouble. You know, that's how we treat God, like, we go, like he's waiting to get us in trouble, right? You know, he's not, he's not, I used to tell my kids, you know, whenever they, when they were getting in trouble and they get, man, I'm always in trouble. You're always, you're always getting on me. And I'm like, listen, I'm not sitting at home watching America's Got Talent with my wife thinking, you know what, you wait till my child gets home. I'm going to get, I'm, I know they've done something wrong, and I can't wait to, to get on them and get them in trouble and, and you know, and ground them and, and, and all that. I just, I just I'm just waiting. I, I, know, I know they did something wrong tonight, you know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting there going by their room thinking, oh, I just know they hadn't cleaned their room. Well, I probably didn't know that. But the thing is, is when you, when you go through life, you know, I'm not sitting at home, and God's not sitting on his throne sitting there saying, you just wait till they do something wrong. I'm ready. I'm waiting. No. I'm fine. You're the one who come home later than I told you to come home. You're the one that didn't clean your room. You're the one that didn't do your chores. You're the one that disobeyed me. 
I was fine with you being not doing that, and we would have had a great relationship. But when that happens, then there's got to be consequences. And the same way with God. God's not on the throne waiting to pounce us and to, to damn us to hell. And, and I, man, he's got grace, and he loves us, and he wants to come to, his, to, to him humbly. He wants us to come before him. But all this started, guilt and shame are, are, are not identical twins, but they're twins born in, in the Garden of Eden. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they did something they were not supposed to. And immediately, right after that happened, guilt and shame attacked them. Let's read that. Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. <clears throat> this isn't even as many scriptures as, as, as Grace quoted a while ago. And I can't remember all this. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Now notice, nowhere in the Bible does it say it was an apple. Just want you to know that. It was a fruit. It could have been, it, it, most likely it could have been a fig. They, have a, they eat lots of figs over, you know, in that area, and, and figs are very important to them. So it could have been a fig. I don't know. Um, there's some stipulation that it could be, but, but it, an apple, it's not, there's no proof of that. You know? So it says, then, then she gave some to her husband who was there, and he ate it too. At that moment, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. See, they were naked before this, right? But then, all of a sudden, they realized that they were naked, and they felt shame. So they sewed fig leaves together. Uh, fig leaves, again, possibly a fig, fig tree. Um, and when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? And he knew where he was at. He was trying to get him to respond and, and, and talk to him. Now, here's the thing. Shame and guilt came right after sin. Every time you sin in your life, there will be shame and guilt, okay? Um, because that's how it works. And they were, they, were shamed, they were shamed for two reasons. One, all of a sudden, they saw their sin. They saw their nakedness. They saw that, okay? And then also, the, 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 they, they saw, they were concerned about how they thought that God was going to see them. That's why they hid. Why would they hide? Because of the fact they were, they were concerned, they were upset and scared on how God was going to see them. Oh, we were his first two creations. He loves us. He walks in the cool of the day with us, and now we've messed up. And now how is he going to look at us? Why do kids not want to come to parents when they get in trouble? They're going to be so mad at me. They're going to hate me. They're going to kick me out of the house. You know what I'm saying? Because of that fear. But God's like, no, I don't want you to. Matter of fact, that, that God didn't hide from them. He, they hid from God. God's walking around saying, hey, where are you at? Okay. Many, many have brought Adam and Eve to this situation, and they said they have sinned, and God in his holiness and his righteousness turned his back on Adam and Eve because they could not, he could not be in the presence of, of a sinful man. And that's just not true. See, the truth is, is that Adam and Eve misjudged how God would respond to their sin. Okay? They hid. God did not hid from them. God was not behind a tree saying, oh, I, I knew you were going to do it. You know what I'm saying? He, that's not how God is. Now, were there consequences for their sin? Yes. You reap what you sow. You know, you know the, the, so you, when that happens, there is. But the, the thing is, is God never stopped loving them. Even though they sinned, and, and, and God knew in his, in his sovereignty that, you know what? They sinned. Man, they really just messed up everything. <laughs> I mean, talking about a bad situation, God knew that, you know what? Man, I got, a, I got now, they've sinned. Now, he already knew in his mind what's going to happen. I, I'm going to have to send my son and all this, all because of the situation. That was like the, the sin, that the, the original sin, the sin that caused it all, you know, and that, that caused all of us pain and heartache, you know. So the thing is, is that, that when he did that, he didn't do that. He's like, you know what? But I love them. They're my creation. 
I love them. I want to forgive them, right? God, God's love for you is not based on your performance of how good you are. God's, God's love for you is not based on if you do a lot of good things. How many times when we sin and we do wrong to, to, to either to God or even to people, do we work hard to get their approval all of a sudden? We, we do something wrong, and all of a sudden, we try to read our Bible a lot, we try to pray a lot, we try to fast, or if it's somebody, I try to do some good stuff for you, I try to bring you gifts, and I try to do good things because I know you're upset at me, so I'm trying to do all those good things that make you not, not be mad at me, right? You know, and, and, and God's like, no, you don't have to, it's not based on, on what you can do, it's based on what Jesus has done. It's not D-O, it's D-O-N-E, you can't stop it, do. You've got to put the last two letters on there, what Jesus has done for us. He, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave and came back to life and walked out of that tomb, right? And, and he did it all because he loved you. And while we were sinners, he loved us. See, guilt and shame are those twins that were born. They're not identical. Listen to this. This is important. Guilt is usually tied to an event. Guilt is tied to an event. I did wrong. I sinned or I did wrong, right? Now, shame is tied to a person. I am bad. Okay, guilt says, you know, um, guilt says, I have done wrong. And shame says, because you've done wrong, you're a bad person. You're evil. You, you, you are no good. You, are, you have no worth no more. You have no value. I have done, you've done wrong, and you're a bad person now. And that's what, how guilt and shame are twins. They're like, they work together. They, 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 they stay right there with one, one another. And when you violate God's laws, you feel that guilt. And, and then it's simultaneously joined by shame. Guilt says you did something wrong. Shame says you need to go run and hide. You're no good. You need to go to the darkness and go away somewhere and hide from God. You need to act. You need, you need, you, okay, you've done something wrong. How many times has this happened to you or somebody you know? I've heard it a million times as a pastor because they would tell me when they came back. Pastor, I just hadn't been doing good and I just stayed away from church because I didn't think I deserved to be here. I stayed away from church because I had done wrong and I had sin in my life and I was just, I was embarrassed before God. And God's like, no, this is where you come. This is where you come to, to receive from God, to receive from goodness. You can receive it anywhere, but you can always be welcome in the house of God. Nobody's going to judge you. You know, I, I had someone not too long ago tell me, you know, that, that, that there's all kind of stuff in my past that's happened and a lot of people know what's going on and I'm scared to go back to church because I know how people's going to look at me. And I said, nobody's going to look at you any different. Nobody's going to look at you any wrong because of the fact of what your past was. Nobody cares about who you were we all care about who you are right now and who you are becoming amen shame will haunt us long after our um, our, uh, our guilt has passed shame will keep you shame that's what the devil does you you repent of your sin and the enemy keeps bringing that shame upon you to try to try to make you to to to, to deal with you in your mind okay um Genesis 2.25, now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. There was no shame. They sinned and all of a sudden they felt shame. See, religion, you know we always talk about, I always talk about religion versus relationship. Religion is dangerous. Religion is how can I measure up to God? How can I do enough to be, be accepted by God? Religion says how can I make God pleased with me? How can I work hard enough to become what God wants me to become? And I'm all the time, and, and nobody knows that. There's, there's no, everybody's looking for this line, and there, there's no line because it's not even true. You know, we, we, we end up looking at, God, how am I doing? Am I doing okay? Am I doing right? Am I serving you? Am I making you please? That's, that's religion, and that's garbage. Okay, relationship Christianity is different. 
It's saying, you know what, God? It's already done on the cross. You know, I know I can't measure up to you. I know I can't do good enough. I just, I thank you for accepting me who, for who I am. And for who I am, even in all my, all my mess, all my sin, thank you for receiving me who I am. I can't be good enough to get in your presence. But thank you that I've accepted your blood in my life, and I'm saved, and, and I'm sanctified, and then holy, I can walk into the presence, and I can walk boldly now, knowing even though I'm, I'm a, a sinful man, I can still walk into your presence and ask for your forgiveness and be bold with it. Because ever since he, Jesus died on that cross, he is our advocate. He is our lawyer. He is our advocate. He is the one that goes before us. He's fighting for us. He's fighting for our freedom. Whenever the enemy, when, and, and the enemy, Satan, is our accuser. Satan is our accuser. He brings accusation against us. Okay, so he brings accusation. He's the, the prosecutor. He's prosecuting us. And Jesus is our advocate, our defendant, our, our, our lawyer. And he's saying, hey, look at all this stuff. And Jesus just says, but the blood. That's, 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 his, that's, his, that's, his, that's his defense. But the blood. But, but yeah, but they were this and they were evil. They'd done wrong. But the, but the blood has been applied to their life. Okay? And so, so the thing is, we've got to understand that when we have this guilt and shame. And, and before you repent, you have the, you know, you've done something wrong and you, you have this guilt. And this guilt, once you become a Christian, we call that conviction. Right? I've done wrong and I feel conviction. Right? But whenever you accept Christ in your life, he offers you grace, mercy, and forgiveness and to set you free from the death, the power, and the penalty, and the presence of sin. Now, here, here, here's the big deal. I really feel like this is really going to help a lot of you instead of a lot of you free in your mind on this day. You have guilt and shame. Guilt says you've done bad and you are bad. Now, when you have guilt, or, or when we call it conviction even, when you have that conviction that comes on, and you ask God to forgive you, and God forgives you for your sin, and he promises he would if you ask, you ask for forgiveness, now you are clean before God, okay? You, 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 your, your sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. So now, if you still have shame, that's not God, that's the devil. Okay, I want to say all that again. I'm gonna, I just want you to get this. Here's the deal. Whenever you have this and you have sin in your life and you, 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 you have guilt because you did wrong, but you repent, God says you are forgiven. Your slate is clean. It's white as snow. You are forgiven. So why would you ever have shame over something that doesn't even exist anymore in the kingdom of God? But that enemy, Slewfoot, Satan, Lucifer, comes to us and says, don't you remember what you did? And he tries to bring that shame on us. And we need to look at him and quote our lawyer and say, but the blood. I have been forgiven of that. I will not feel shame for something that don't even exist in the spirit no more. And I will not allow my flesh, I will crucify my flesh and I will not allow my flesh to bother me anymore. Amen. We cannot allow that to happen. So how do we naturally respond to guilt when it comes? First off, we do the blame game, right? What happened in, 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 with Adam and Eve, our first parents? What, hey, hey, Eve, Adam, what happened? Adam says, that woman you gave me, she tempted me. She's standing there naked and said, here, eat this. So I ate it. Okay, Eve, what happened? That serpent, that demon, he tempted me. 
Is that not true? When we get guilty, we always blame shift. We, we, we blame somebody else for our, our, our own situation, our own sin, our own problems. What he said, what she said, what she said, well, I didn't mean it that way, this and that and the other. And, well, that's what you said. And it's just, it's just nobody wants to take ownership themselves for any problems in our lives. The number second thing that we do is we deny guilt and feel no shame. We justify our sin. You don't feel no shame. Well, it's because what you're doing is you're justifying your sin, saying what you did was right when it was really wrong, and you know it was wrong, but you've justified it, and you downplayed the sin to make it look like it was okay, and you don't feel bad about it because you don't even consider it a sin. When it really is, we cannot justify our sin to avoid shame. Number four, the, the shame, I, I, John, I know you don't have these guys um, because I, put, I added these last night. The shame that you carry has also, at times, it, w- it will... Um, consume we, it will consume us once you feel that guilt and you allow shame to settle in and stay there all of a sudden it consumes us then we walk around that's where low self-esteem comes in mental health issues and all this stuff comes because I'm a bad person I'm an evil person this is how I'm depressed and I'm an, because I'm oppressed God's not pleased with me because I don't have any joy and this and that and the other and we feel like it just consumes us and all we think about is, 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 is I'm just this bad person and God is not pleased with me and I can't even go to church because I know he knows I still got problems and issues and I'm, I'm trying God but, but I know he's upset with me and we just get in our mind it's just like a, a, a rabbit one of the little rabbit uh, Rabbit wheels are a little hamster wheel. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. That's my preach, brother. Um, the little, little hamster wheel. And, it, and it's just running like this right here over and over and over. And we're just consumed by the guilt and the shame. And the fourth one is, is that the shame that we carry leaves us paralyzed by its weight. You can't even move forward. You can't even move forward, and you, you, you're trying to, and you want to move forward, and I, can't, I just can't go. I just can't do this. I can't go forward. I just can't move forward because i got so much guilt and shame, and the whole time shame is back here yelling and screaming, hey, you're not good enough. Why would you try? You know, you're evil. You, you sinned before God. You're going to go to hell. You're going to split hell wide open. You need to be shamed. You need to be shamed. You know, and you want, yeah, we, we do need to be shamed if we, if we didn't have forgiveness. See, and, and, we, and he, the shame tells us that we're never, never good enough. You can never undo your failure. You can never right the wrong that you have. You, you've been exposed and you've been vulnerable and, you, you're, and you're, you're walking around just waiting for someone else to find out what you've done wrong and, and you know that they're going to be mad at you. Pretty soon, you know what? Not only God is going to be mad at me, now everybody's mad at me. Pastors are mad at me. All, all, my, all my friends are mad at me. They're, they're all looking down on me because of my sin and all my failure. That's one thing that I, that I love about you guys here is that when, when someone, even when someone sins and everybody in here knows that they've done wrong, we rally around them and we love them and we nurture them back because we know the grace of God is, is mighty. And we can go to that throne of grace. We, I love that we call it the throne of grace. I just, that's just beautiful to me. I was just thinking about that when I was studying this, that the throne of grace. It's just a throne that just grace is just, what does a king does? He, the king gives, gives, gives orders. He gives all the stuff. He, he, he decrees and demands things. And so that grace, the throne of grace, the, the just gives us all the grace we need. All the grace we need is there. And we don't have to be shamed for, of anything when we stand before God. So how do we truly be free from guilt and shame? Hebrews 10, 19. We're going back a little bit to what we talked about last week. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter in the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. 
See, we have to believe what, that God has already done. I have to go back to the very beginning when I said, you have to believe that God's already done it for you. And when you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven. You have to be able to believe that. But if you don't believe that when you ask God to forgive you, that you're forgiven, well, then you're still walking in bondage. So you have to say, God, I believe that you forgave me. Now I don't have to walk in shame. I shouldn't feel shame because I am walking in grace. Um, Hebrews 10 and 20. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So we can approach with honesty and repentance. See, when we got, the enemy will try to make you feel guilty. Well, that, well you hadn't been going to church. You're going to go back today and everybody's going to look at you like, where you been at, sinner? You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you know you, you're doing stuff wrong at home. You go home and you've you done something wrong or you acted wrong. Now your kids are never going to forgive you. No, your, your, your wife's going to always hate you and this kind of stuff. And we, we get like that and we've we got to realize when we stand before God that, that we can go to God and say, God, look, I've messed up. I've, I've done wrong. You know, and we need to encourage people to do that. Hebrews 10, 21, 22a says, And since there's been a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into his presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Here it is. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. So we need to pray and ask God to clean our conscience. And say, God, clean my conscience. The enemy is bringing all this guilt and shame of the past, and I know I'm forgiven. So, God, I ask you to wash. Mr. Laura, sometimes whenever I'm really stressed and she's talking to me, she'll say, Pastor Doug, she said, I want you right now just to throw your hands up and ask God just to wash your mind. Just wash your mind. What she's saying is ask God to wash your conscience, to clean your conscience, to, to, to let you know, just to, just to let the water of God's word just wash, just wash all those things away. Just wash it away so, so um, you can have a, a clear conscience. And you don't have to worry about the enemy, the conscience the enemy is trying to give you. And then Hebrews chapter 10, 22b says, And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So what happened is we, we, our bodies have been washed. We, we, we got to record over the old footage in our, in, our, in our memory. We got to record over that with new footage, with new life, with new joy, with new, with new promises of God, with, with the, the good things that you have done and not allow the enemy because it's old footage. You remember, you know, on them old little, you know, you had a little cassette tape, de cassette tapes and, you know, you, you could do it and you could go back and record over it, you know. And so, and if, you know, if you had stuff on there that you didn't want nobody to know, you'd always go back and record something over it, whatever it was, just so they wouldn't see it. So that's what we got to do. We got to record over those old thoughts and those old videotapes in our mind so we can go forward with that. And, uh, and, you know, Paul was just really laying it out here beautifully for us. And so another way that we can deal with guilt and shame in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul talks about this. He's talking about strongholds. And he says, we got to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what we're talking about, pulling down a stronghold. Why do you got to make that thought obedient to Christ? Well, because of the fact that it's a stronghold. And a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception. A stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception. It actually has, a stronghold actually has no power. But it's got you deceived into thinking that it has power. A stronghold is someone living life by something that is not true. You're stuck in the prison of your own mind. A stronghold gets in your mind and gets caught right there and grabs your mind captive and just causes you to, to, to just think and dwell and focus on that stronghold and you can't go forward in life because you're in the prison of your mind. And God says, you gotta, you gotta bring them thoughts captive 
in obedience to Christ, and you got to cast those cares upon God, and you got to say, God, I give you my, wash my mind, help me, Father, not to be held captive by this stronghold, by the enemy making me feel this way because of all this. But what if I was guilty? Okay, you were guilty. You were blood guilty. But you know what? You asked for forgiveness, now move on. It's that easy. Well, no, it's not, Pastor Doug. It's that easy. It's that easy. Now, you got, you got to work at it. you you got to keep moving forward. But when God forgives you, you're forgiven. I don't care what your sin is. If Osama bin Laden would have, would have died and before, right before he died, if he would have asked Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he would be in heaven when we get there. And that hurts a lot of people's feelings, but I'm sorry, it's the truth. God, God has no respect to a person. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you did. I don't care how far gone. I don't care who you, what you did. If you ask Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you truly mean it, you are saved. And when that happens, you've got you to realize, I'm not allowed these strongholds in my mind to keep controlling my mind and my thoughts every single day. And I'm going to move forward, and I'm not going to allow it to happen. Strongholds, they will steal your focus. They will, they will cause you to feel. Strongholds control your mind. And then once they control your mind, they start to control your emotions. And then after they control your emotions, they start controlling your actions. And they're trying to, and it all starts with that, a little bit of guilt and shame, and then the devil does his work. This is one of the greatest ways that the enemy beats us at times when we allow him to win because he can't win unless we give him the, the, the win. But we give him the win when we allow guilt and shame to stand in us and become a stronghold in our mind and we feel bad about what we've done and then we feel bad about who we are. It becomes a stronghold. We get consumed by it. We get controlled by it. We get our emotions done. We get our actions. And then we become a totally different person. We just become somebody totally that we don't even hardly know. It consumes all of our emotional energy and it distracts us from our purpose. Then that's the ultimate goal of the enemy. He don't want you to come to church. He don't want you to do right. He don't want you to serve God. He don't want you to do those things. The devil wants you to get so wrapped up in your situation that, that, you, that you, can't Im, you can't even impact your own life and certainly nobody else's life. But I'm here to tell you today, as of today, the guilt trip is over. Okay? It's over. I speak freedom in your life right now from any guilt and any shame you've ever had. After your repentance before God. The guilt trip is over. You can be free today and walk out of this place free. Now you got to cut now. Now listen, the devil's going to try to put it back. So you got to keep, you got to keep, that's why the scripture, I keep going back to the scripture all the time. You got to renew your mind. Because the enemy has, 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 done that you've taken that out and now you got to put good stuff in there good thoughts good scriptures good people good feelings good actions and do that and put it in your mind romans 8 and 1 says so now there but yeah but i just know god's going to condemn condemn me because of all how even if i ask for forgiveness i know he's kind of low-key probably condemning me well romans 8 and 1 says so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus and if god almighty the creator of the universe does not condemn you who else in this world has a right to? Nobody has a right to judge you or condemn you for what, you, what you've done or how you've been. We do not have that right. We have given that up. He does not love you more than a cross or less than a cross. He, when he, he, does, he did not get on a cross and sit up there and jump off his cross and raise from the dead and say, Okay, I've done my part. Now it's up to y'all. Peace out. He didn't do that. He said, after he got off the cross, he just said, No, there is no parts left. He said, It is finished. It's done. 
Now there ain't nothing else for you to do. It is finished. It's completed. The debt is paid in full. So therefore, there's nothing else to do. There's no, you can't work for it. You can't, there's nothing else you can do. So it's already over. And I'm thankful for that. Because I can't do it on my own. I can't live the Christian life on my own. And I've tried, and it's exhausting. I've tried to be holy when I was younger as a young Christian and a young man. I tried to be holy and, 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 and healthy and disciplined and all this. And I failed. And without, without Christ, I was nothing. And once I realized that I couldn't do it on my own, that I had to rely on Christ, it was the biggest relief I've ever had. The Christian life isn't about trying to find out how in your own ability that you can imitate Christ. Well, we're supposed to imitate Christ. No, yes, but isn't it a whole lot easier to, to imitate somebody if they're in you? Okay, what, what does Paul say? Paul says it the best way. Here it is. It's all about Christ living in me. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So therefore, um, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's Christ who lives in me. And if Christ lives in you, it's, whole, it's a whole lot better and easier to, to imitate someone who is in you, living with you. It's coming out of you. Actually, you're not really even really imitating. You're kind of just reflecting. You're letting him lead. You're letting him guide. You're just following his lead. And you're reflecting. Outwardly, we're imitating him. You're able to imitate him on the outside because he is inside. Okay? Our, our first parents, Adam and Eve, left the mark of the guilt of everybody on us. And only Jesus can make this wrong, make this right. And Jesus came to, the, 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 uh, to us, and we had a verdict of guilt. And then he put his hands out and said, you know what, on the cross, and said, innocent. We had a guilty verdict. And the judge spoke of the judge being God and saying, you're innocent because of my blood. There's no reason for us to hide in shame. He, he, he shows us and helps us in our righteousness of God. He's the one who helps us. We can be free from guilt and shame today and be free from the strongholds in our lives because of how good and mighty God is. And God wants to free you today. Are you walking around in shame of your past? Walking around in guilt, feeling guilty of, of things that you've done. Or maybe you're just walking around with a stronghold in your head of a lie that the enemy's put there. And it's just controlled you and overwhelmed you. And you've got this stronghold in your mind and it's consumed you. You've got this thought and your thought life is just consumed by the situation. And, and it's consumed so much that it's affecting your life, the way you walk, the way you talk and all that. You can be free today from all that. Just by talking to God and saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, God, for, for the act that I had done. Forgive me, God, for the way, what I, what I, how I have done. And I am now, Father, not going to feel bad. I am not going to feel, Father, like, like shame, like I am somebody bad because you have forgiven me for my sin. And now there's no reason to feel bad because I'm forgiven. And that stronghold, you just got to grab it and pull it down out from your mind and cast it at the altar of God and say, stay in obedience to Jesus Christ and not allow that to happen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for all that you've done. I thank you, Father, that we can be free today on this 4th of July from guilt and shame. Satan, you're a liar and we rebuke you. 
We take authority over you. And we don't accept the lies. We don't accept the guilt no more. We have asked Christ for forgiveness and he has forgiven us. And now we can walk in freedom. We don't accept that shame anymore. There's no need to feel less than about who we are because of the fact that God has already forgiven us and he's told us who we are. Who we are. Father, and we are your masterpiece. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And that's who we are, Father. And those in this room that have strongholds in their mind that the enemy has grabbed and just, just, just jumped in there and living rent-free in their mind and has got a stronghold in the corner and is just controlling their thoughts, is controlling their life, is controlling it, is bringing fear, is bring, bringing all kind of evil things in their mind. We just rebuke that and take authority over that and we command our thoughts to be submissive under the authority of God and we bring down those strongholds and, and we cast them down and command them to be obedient to the Word of God. In Jesus' name. Would you hear today say, Pastor Doug, I, I have guilt and shame in my life. That, that, uh, just, I don't, you know, just things I've done. And, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm trying to serve God, you know. But I've, I've got guilt and shame. And the de devil just keeps trying to bring shame back for things that I've already been forgiven from a long time ago. And just pray today that I'm able to, to overcome that and be free from that. Anybody in here got any kind of guilt and shame in your past? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. The enemy tries his best to bring that, yes. Who would say, Pastor, I got, I got a stronghold in my life and it's controlling my mind, my thoughts, my fears, my actions, my beliefs even, and everything. Who would say, I got a stronghold? And Pastor, just please, would you please pray for me? That the strong, yeah, 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 I see your hands. Yes, amen. And you could be free from that today in Jesus' name. Would anybody here today say, Pastor, look, I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, and, or I used to, but I don't anymore. And I want to come back to Christ. I want to be free from, from, from sin. You know, not, just for, not only from guilt and shame. I want to be free from sin in my life. And I want to I come back to Christ or I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to come to Christ. Anybody here at all want to come to Christ? Amen. Yes, I see your hand. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. 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 Well, let's pray together and, and, and make that happen here in unison. If you just repeat after me. Dear, dear Heavenly Father, come into my heart. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need freedom from sin. I need freedom from guilt and shame. I need you to, to renew my mind, renew my thoughts. Come into my heart. Make me a Christian. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and rose on the third day. You were my king. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I accept you, and I renounce sin. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God for salvation. <laughs> Hallelujah.